The dudes go back to the future. Jim makes Bob Newhart references. Brad reports from the scene of the crime. Jordan serenades a fan. Johnny loses half the recording. We're all a day late and a hand short, and Buster refuses to answer our phone calls. All this and more on Episode 9 of the Walking Dead TV Podcast. The world we know is gone. No Google. No Amazon.com. No email. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Good evening and welcome to episode 9 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Tell it to the frogs. My name is Jordan. It's Russ. I'm Jim. <laughs> this is John. And uh, we want to welcome you to our episode. We had a lot of fun watching Tell It to the Frogs, and we can't wait to get into the episode discussion. But first, we have some news. But first, a word from our sponsor. Yes, uh, we have a sponsor for today. It is Action Lab Entertainment. Our buddy, Mr. Sean Pryor, who's been uh, a friend of our shows for a long time, has uh, moved over from PKD to president of Action Lab Entertainment. And uh, here's a little message from them. Hey, everybody. This is Sean Pryor, president of the newly formed Action Lab Entertainment. For those that don't know, Action Lab Entertainment was formed earlier this year when four independent and small press comic book creators such as Dave DeWatch from Space Time Condo, Sean Gabrin from Angry Gnome Comics, Chad Ciccone of Mercury and the Murd, and me from PKD Media, decided to combine our 20 years of experience to create our first major project, Fracture. We're currently attempting to raise $3,600 via Kickstarter.com to print, solicit, and publish our first issue of Fracture, which tells the tale of virtue, the great hero of the city of Lower Triton, the maniacal supervillain Malice, and an average Joe named Jeff. All three of these people have one thing in common, but if you want to know more about this, go to Kickstarter.com and type Action Lab in the search header, or head over to ActionLabComics.com for more details. For those that are interested in donating to this project, donations start as low as $1. But if you wish to donate $10 or more, you can receive rewards such as Action Lab Entertainment buttons, exclusive copies of Fracture Number 1, original art pages from Fracture, original sketch cards, 8x11 sketches, paintings, and so much more. The higher the donation, the more one can receive. So, if you wish to be an honorary lab tech for Action Lab Entertainment, your donation can make Fracture a reality. Remember, you can go to kickstarter.com and type Action Lab in the search header or head over to actionlabcomics.com for additional details. We sincerely thank you in advance for your donation and your support. Peace. So besides Sean having the smoothest speaking voice I've ever heard and the coolest background music ever, uh, he's a really good guy. These are like the good guys in comics, the little guys trying to uh, get their feet in the door. Kickstarter is a really cool concept. If anybody doesn't know, it's kind of like you get your, you set up a presentation for your project, and uh, you see how much money you can raise. And they're doing pretty well, so we will link to the Kickstarter definitely, and uh, see if we can't help our buddy Sean out. And his they're whole kind group. of like this uh, weird indie comic super friends in a way, because you know, it's, I mean, on their own. I mean, Sean Gabarin and Dave Dwanch. And Chad Ciccone and, and Sean were all doing really cool things separately. Now that they're working together, 
uh, with Fracture. I mean, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. Yeah, and you know what's a really good point as well? For all the people that are enjoying Walking Dead, and now you're hearing so much about the comics, and maybe you're thinking about you know dipping your toes in the comic book water, check out sites like PKD Media where there are free web comics, um, and you could try out a comic book you know online for free and get and get a feel for what it's like to read one and see the art and and see how you like it. So that's definitely uh, something that we should stress as well. Yes, contrary to popular belief, The Walking Dead is not the only good comic out there. There are actually lots of them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so how about some more uh, news? Jordan, we have some ratings for the latest show? You better believe it, Sean. Uh, well, let's recap. For episode one, days gone by, we had, I believe it was 5.3 million viewers. It was the highest rated cable premiere in 2010, highest rated episode of any show ever on AMC, beat a whole bunch of stuff even on network television. Episode two dropped a little bit, 4.7 million, but still, that's a very slight drop off. Episode three did not drop. No, it did not even stay the same. Episode 3 went from 4.7 million viewers to 5.1 million viewers, uh, an increase uh, in the overall viewership. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's opposite of what it usually trends, isn't it? Usually it's, uh, they try to hold on to retention from the first, uh, like the premiere show. It's usually always the highest rated, and they try to hold on to as many as they can. It must be, I think it's word of mouth, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and, and I'm... I think it definitely helped also that they replayed episodes one and two on Sunday night. So anybody who hadn't watched yet got a chance to jump in and watch them all right in a row. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good sign. You know, they already renewed it for a second season, but, you know, you need to keep that buzz going and keep people interested in it and wanting to come back because, um, you know, we want a season three and a season four. So the more people that jump on the bandwagon and, and it gets good word of mouth, the better the better off we'll um, we'll have of possibly making sure that there's more budget thrown at season two and that they don't have to worry about, well, you know, we had to spend a bunch of money on the pilot to make it look good and we got Frank Darabont to direct and, you know, it, it had its its look and feel and now we have to be real budget conscious um, for season two and it's I'm, I'm guessing since it's exceeding expectations that uh, they'll be able to probably get a little bit better clientele and a little bit better ad rate for season two. I caught Robert Kirkman on Twitter today. I didn't catch him. He didn't respond to me or anything. I didn't message him, but I saw him on Twitter, and he was you know, thanking everybody for watching and mentioning the ratings, and people were just like, you are the new king of cable. And uh, they, I mean, they really are at this point. It's unbelievable. When, they, when you look at a site like uh, Ain't It Cool, and they do their ratings column, and they kind of compare like everything that was on on every channel, it's amazing where they're at right now. Yeah, it's very surprising. I, I wouldn't have expected it to be doing better than than the other AMC stuff that that has gotten really good word of mouth, like um, especially Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Um, but for way everything on cable and even some network, I think I think that speaks a lot for um, you know for the, for the word of mouth for the for what they were able to to do in 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 getting you know the press that they got to to get it out and just putting out a quality you know product. I think people are responding to the fact that. This is not your average network television TV show. Conversely, AMC just announced they were getting rid of Rubicon as well. Yeah, and Rubicon's oh, ratings oh. were astronomically small. I mean, I, I hear it was a really good show. I watched the first couple episodes and then kind of fell away. But, uh, yeah, nobody was watching it, even less than like Mad Men or, or Breaking Bad. It was just a very minute audience. So it's a shame that they lost it. But, you know, if people can't watch it or if people don't watch it, what can they do? Yeah, it was a it was a very good show. 
Um, unfortunately, it was the type of show that, you know, I don't even, you can enjoy that first season because it's a good show, but the, the whole idea was kind of unraveling this giant conspiracy, and season one was just kind of like the tip of the iceberg, and now, you know, it's gone. So it, it's going to be tough to stand alone. Yeah, that's always the uh, the risk with a show like that, unfortunately. So next in our news, we actually have uh, some information on hatches in the bottom of tanks. John, do you want to take that one? Hatches in the bottom of tanks exist. At least on some models of tanks. What what model was that? I As soon as I searched it, Sherman tank like schematics started popping up and and there is an escape hatch they also were used to pick up wounded as they rolled by so can you imagine that like you're laying on the ground in World War II so they roll the tank over you and open the hatch underneath and pull you up into it so that was pretty wild but that research came about we had a voicemail last week saying there's no way there could be a hatch underneath the tank. And then it kind of went back and forth on Twitter. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to Google this. And I Googled escape hatch on a tank. And the first 15 responses that came up in Google were all people arguing over The Walking Dead. <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, I was able to find instances of it actually being accurate. So and, there are. And we should say we don't know. Off the top of our heads, I don't think what model of tank that was. So maybe that model doesn't have one. Kind of like certain guns not having safeties or whatever. But uh, at least some tanks do have it. So that's good to know. Yes, absolutely. We also found out who plays Buster, at least according to one of our listeners. And that person is apparently Gary Busey. And we have a nice graphic of Gary Busey (laughs) side by side with Buster. And the resemblance is uncanny. So thank you for that. Uh. Thank you for that that's that submission. We'll get to your actual text of your email later on, but we did want to mention the casting news there right now. Yeah, and you know what? There's been an, another little bit of misinformation. Uh, Charlie Adler, the art, the current artist for The Walking Dead, he does play a zombie uh, on maybe the pilot, or even he might have shown up in a couple of shows, but that is not Buster. Buster is not Charlie Adler. Brad, who we should mention before we get in trouble again, cannot make it tonight, and he's very sorry, and we have a message from Brad later on that we'll play. Uh, Brad did mention the name of the actor who is playing Buster, and of course I am not prepared, and I do not have that name in front of me, but it is not Charlie Adler. He's playing a different zombie. We also had a a celebrity zombie tonight, uh, or not tonight, but in Tell It to the Frogs, but I guess we'll get to that when we get to the recap. Sounds good. Yeah, the last thing I'd like to mention is uh, we threw it out there on Twitter and asked if our listeners would like bloopers at the end of the show. And it was pretty much unanimous that everybody would like to hear us screw up. So uh, if you hang around after the closing music of this show, we will play a little blooper reel. We at least have some stuff from last show. Who knows if we'll screw up a lot on this show or not. Chances are pretty good. But, yeah, I was going to uh, say... You'll have one hour of Walking Dead TV podcast number nine and 90 minutes of blooper. Yeah. What are you talking about? We never screw up. Okay, so before we get into the Frogs recap, we're going to send it over to Jim quickly. We have a couple of iTunes reviews we want to get into now. We thank everybody for leaving them, and uh, and then we'll get into the good stuff. 
Absolutely. Well, we want to thank the people who did leave reviews on iTunes. Uh, we always are looking for those uh, to help us, you know, get the word out and uh, get noticed. Maybe in the new and notable on iTunes, or you know, just to get the word out there on the podcast. So if you haven't already, uh, take the thirty seconds and write us a review on iTunes, like these fine people did. Our first uh, iTunes review, five stars from uh, Wild Mercy, uh, the, be- the best podcast of The Walking Dead out there. Johnny's awesome. Jim's the man. Brad rocks out with his deleted out and tells it how it is. Russ brings the real and Jordan, oh Jordan, you are my Lori. Thanks guys for making a great show. Wild mercy, Charlie C. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Uh, never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you, never gonna make you cry, never gonna say goodbye, never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. Did you really feel the need to rickroll him? <laughs> I figured it was an appropriate response. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Charlie. You're right. You're right. Uh, absolutely. I am the man. Uh, <laughs> next is uh, sp- uh, from Herd03, another five-star review, spoiler-free podcast. This podcast is a great supplement to the TV show. I haven't read the comic books yet and appreciate the trouble this show goes to in order to avoid spoiling the TV series for people like me. I listened to another show, and a little more than halfway through, they dropped a spoiler from the books right Ooh. on me. So not cool. These guys are also aren't obsessed with the violence and gore and focus on the drama of the series, which I appreciate. Good entertainment. Thanks a lot, Herd03. Uh, really appreciate that. And uh, we're glad that people are noticing that we're going out of our way to keep it spoiler-free for the people who are only watching the show and uh, haven't read the comics. So. And it's so freaking hard. It's it very is hard. very difficult. <laughs> but uh, I think, I, according to uh, this, we're, we seem to be doing a good job, guys. And again, thanks for the iTunes reviews. And uh, if you're listening to the show, if you have an extra minute or so, please leave us one. We really appreciate it. If you are interested in spoilers, I would like to suggest an article I read just today. Go to toplessrobot.com. It's not what it sounds like. It's a geek website. And uh, they had an article of, I think it was the top 15 Walking Dead moments that they'll have trouble getting away with on TV. It's definitely got tons of spoilers. But if you've read the comic, you're going to get a kick out of it. Well, I believe it is now time to hand things over to Russ and uh, get on with the frogs discussion. Yes. So, episode three starts pretty much where we left off episode two. With um, We get Merle on the roof, and he's pretty delirious. He's still, of course, chained up to, uh, to that metal pole or that metal piece of structure with, uh, with his handcuffs on. At this point, he realizes he's been left behind, and uh, he's he's starting to realize that uh, the way he's lived his life is kind of catching up to him. And um, you know, he starts like retelling stories from his past, and just really then starts to to freak in, to freak out, and realizes that God's punishing him for basically being a bad guy. Let me ask a real quick question: Did you guys think he was on drugs during this, or that he was just dehydrated and kind of? Just out of it. Um, I mean, because he's talking to like his old commander. He, he pretty much tell, you know, tells God he's not going to beg for his life, you know, all this kind of stuff. Do you think he's still like whacked out on, on pharmaceuticals? Or? Well, he was high last episode and he definitely had some, uh, some sunburn, some extreme sunburn on his forehead. So I'm assuming they're saying he was suffering from heat stroke in addition to the meth or coke or whatever it was. I was just curious what your guys' take on it was. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, think it's open to interpretation, but they were, I guess they were pretty clear that he was on some kind of drugs, and they definitely show the sun and everything, so he's just, he's getting it from all sides right now. And how awesome was Michael Rooker in that scene? I mean, he took a two-dimensional character from last episode and turned it into somebody who you still hated, but still kind of felt for all of a sudden. Yeah, it made me very uncomfortable even to watch him, and like I said, as, as much as you hated him, when he starts like pulling on his arm and and he starts to just really freak out you know it just it was very unsettling to watch that so after that we get our our credits intro and we cut back after the credits are over and we get back from the commercial break we cut back to rick and crew that are tooling tooling along and uh glenn's having a bit of fun he uh he likes the fact that he's got a nice sweet dodge challenger that he can highway with yeah we screwed that up right we called it a charger i think yeah, I was yelling at my iPod since I wasn't on that show. Figures of the car guys, not on that show. <laughs> it is a Dodge Challenger. So then we cut back to the camp, and Lori is cutting Carl's hair, which he doesn't like very much. And it, it, it's kind of funny because it's almost like Lori, Carl, and Shane at this point are kind of having like their own little family scene, and everybody's getting along with each other, and they're just talking and. Um, Shane goes on about how he's going to teach Carl how to catch frogs, and Shane de- or Carl doesn't quite understand why they would need to catch frogs. And Shane says, you know, after after all the beans are gone, or you've had your fiftieth can of beans, you're going to want something different. And frogs make good eating, and uh, Carl's not buying it. So as this is going on, one of the things I noticed in myself was Shane talks a lot. Also, Shane kind of looks like John Oates without the mustache. <laughs> This is where we got the cool uh, Miss Piggy line, right, from uh, yes. from Lori. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I got a chuckle out of that. Yeah. But I just noticed he just, like, and I noticed it a little bit in the last one, but it just really came to light here that he just likes to talk and listen to himself talk, it yeah, seems. Yeah, I think they definitely are portraying him as kind of like a slick, fast talker. I mean, I think that'll help explain things, you know? Um, even that opening scene in episode one where he's kind of given that spiel to uh, – to Rick about uh, his girlfriend's uh, not shutting off lights and stuff like that. It's like a very, he's got like a presentation every time he speaks, you know, like he's always trying to put one over or he's always trying to get over, I should say. Yeah. For fans of continuity errors, pay attention to Carl's hair. Uh, In shots from behind, it's very short. And in shots from the front, it's like three inches longer. I thought that was kind of funny. Nice. I didn't catch that. Like he's literally rocking a mullet in certain, in certain angles. That I did notice. I did notice they showed him at one point and his hair in the back looked very long. That's kind of funny. Business in the front, party in the back. Heck yeah. So then we cut to Dale. He's being the lookout. And right away, I like Dale. Dale is the man. Dale is the man. It didn't take much, but I just like the way that Jeffrey DeMunn is, is playing his character. It's coming across very, very well. Very different, I think, in look and in certain aspects than in the comics, but but I think it's very well done for, for what they're doing with it. That'd be a character that I'd like to hear from the listeners about as well. Just, again, you know, we have more information. So are we saying Dale's the man, or is everybody thinking that they like him so far, or maybe they don't have enough yet to make a decision? You know, I, I just really find that kind of thing interesting at this point. So then they start freaking out because they hear this alarm and they hear, you know, kind of engine noises, you know, in the distance and they're wondering what's going on and they're all kind of getting ready um, for it. Just at that time, they, they pull out the goggles. They see Glenn kind of fishtailing around the, around the corners 
and uh, he comes up, and they realize, no, it's a, it's a car, probably stolen, as uh, as Dale says. So they they all come up, and Rick drives up in the truck, and it was kind of interesting the way they did it. You know, Glenn gets out, and then some of the others get out, and and Rick kind of stays behind, and everybody's kind of seeing, and then they talk about the new guy, and and they're like, what new guy? And I thought they were pretty quick to dismiss the fact the car alarm was would attract zombies. Yeah, I, I I agree, but they they mentioned it. You know, they didn't just let him pull up with the car alarm going off and just dismiss it. I mean, they had a little yeah, they had true. a little talk about oh well, it was moving so fast and it echoes so much that you'd never be able to pinpoint it or or whatever. And, and that was enough for me. I mean, at least they uh, acknowledged it. You know, right? I agree there. So Rick finally kind of rounds the corner as he gets out of the car and he's just he's kind of depressed and down and Shane kind of sees that it's him and you can almost see that that he really does feel I got the impression that he really was happy to see Rick. And then of course Carl looks up and sees his dad and and Lori looks up and sees and sees Rick is back and it was just a really cool, you know, sappy to some degree but you know kind of the slow-mo um scene where you know Carl comes up to to Rick and and he hugs him and I, I, I to me I just thought it was very moving. I mean, you have Rick who I mean he literally falls on the ground, you know, after he hugs his kid because he's so happy to see him and I just thought that was very touching and and very well done. Um we we talked a little bit I think about some of the shortcomings and and that's probably a strong word of the direction of the of episode 2 given what we saw with episode one. And I think, I think it's starting to kind of level off here. I'm not sure if the director was the same for three as it was for two, but, but I thought it, this one I thought was a little bit more well done than episode two. I really enjoyed the acting in this scene and they weren't words spoken, but the looks that were going back and forth between Laurie and Shane, it yeah. still, it still had you guessing though. Like, are they both hiding something? Is it, you know, Shane's fault? Is it Laurie's fault? You know, you still got the sense of what's going on here, um, which was awesome, I thought. That look that Laurie gives Shane just really, I mean, it just, it, it you didn't know what to think after that. Like you said, John, it just was very, but I thought it was cool that they actually made a point of of showing that, that, that you know, they're kind of building to some tension to some degree. The director for the episode for this episode was Gwyneth Horder Payton, who has directed episodes of, well, The Walking Dead, of course, Sons of Anarchy, Blue Bloods, Numbers, Cold Case, Criminal Minds, The Shield, Fringe, Battlestar Galactica. So she's got quite the, uh, quite the pedigree there. So then we cut to, to nighttime and uh, it's getting later. And um, Shane is kind of playing the part of the lead dog at, at this point. That's, that's what I got where um, we see Ed puts another log on the fire, so to speak, and it stokes it up a little bit. And Shane kind of has words with him that, you know, hey, they want to keep it to, you know, barely above uh, embers because they don't want to attract anybody. They don't want to be able to be seen from far away. And so him and Ed kind of get into it a little bit, which is interesting knowing, you know, what comes in later in the episode. And then we're able to finally meet Carl and Sophia or Carol and Sophia. I'm sorry. Um, And, you know, as again, as fans of the comic and knowing the comic, it was interesting to see, um, Carol and Sophia, finally. I think we <laughs> should probably mention uh, while we're here that Ed is a new character. So yes. there's another one for that list. I think he's mentioned in the book, but not seen. Right. And I, 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 I appreciate him, his inclusion because I think, I, I, 
I, I think I could see where this is going to go eventually, and I think it'll make an interesting uh, confrontation. So then Dale talks about Daryl's going to be pissed about the fact that that Merle's not there, and and so the the, the group kind of doesn't know what to do at that point. They're just kind of all you could see the tension is is kind of brewing when he brings that up that they know it's going to be trouble um, when Daryl gets back. So then we cut over to Rick and his family who are in their tent and they kind of have their little reun- reunion at bedtime and again just more kind of um, family time between them and and they they you know. Uh, Carl goes off to bed, and um, Rick and Lori kind of have a scene. And you know, again, Rick brings up the whole fact that the pictures were gone. That's how he knew she was alive. And and um, and then Lori kind of alludes to the fact that things weren't greatest went down, and that there were some bad times. And you know, she even asks him if he wants his ring back, that kind of thing. So you know, again, it 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 makes it more curious and more curious about whether Shane and Lori were kind of involved prior to you know, Rick being shot or if it's something that's just materialized since the, the uh, zombie apocalypse, uh, apocalypse, I'm leaning towards the fact that they had something going on prior to. Now, see, I, I kind of thought that before, but scenes later on in this episode would make me think that that's not the case. Yeah. You would think that Shane would use that to defend him, to defend himself when Lori was giving him the verbal lashing later on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think for me, this episode really redeemed Laurie in my mind, which again we were probably unfair about you know assuming or or whatever. But um, this to me, this episode put it all on Shane. But I could be wrong; it could be a twist. But that seems to be the way it's going. True. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about it like that. So they, they Rick and Laurie are kind of able to finally have a have a bit of a reunion with each other. We cut to a commercial. And when we come back, of course, it is morning, and we get a glimpse around the camp, and we get to see people kind of doing chores, and we're getting more of a of a sense of how life is like for these people. That you know, they're still doing laundry, and they're you know, everybody kind of has their job. And we cut over, and and um, it made me sad to see them stripping that challenger down as it did Glenn, um, you know, pulling the wheels off and just kind of scavenging parts and gasoline and everything else that they could uh, that that they could deal with, and. Um, and then Shane Shane pulls up and he's got water and you know again he tells everybody make sure you you know boil it before you use it and and all that kind of thing. So then sort of like in the comic when everything is calm and very idyllic we get this um cr- moment of craziness that that's about to happen and this was fairly tame um but but we hear sh- a bunch of screams everybody starts running freaking out you know they they're assuming the worst they're calling Lori's calling for Carl and um, they come upon a zombie that's eating a deer. He's kind of like bent over, and and again, they they didn't scrimp on the uh, on the gore. I mean, we actually see you know he's tearing off pieces of flesh and and, and putting them in his mouth, and uh, and then the crew decides to just start beating the living daylights out of this uh, out of the zombie, and uh, and they're These all zombies just eat, eat more organ meat than just brains. It would seem from this scene. Yes, because he's uh, he's digging into the deer's uh, like thoracic region uh, to <laughs> he, use a clinical term rather than the brains. He pulled like yes. an entire steak out of his neck. <laughs> Did you see that one part when they like he, yeah, he gets yeah. a good yeah. hunk of yeah. meat? 
Now, I mentioned earlier there was a celebrity cameo as a zombie this week, and this is that zombie. This is Greg Nicotero, who is wow. a special effects guru. He's done pretty much every Romero movie since Day of the Dead. He did Pulp Fiction, Scream, Spawn, Boogie Nights, uh, The Faculty, The Green Mile, House on Haunted Hill. This guy has a huge uh, library of special effects makeup he's done, and now he's been a zombie as well. Although I'm pretty sure he's done that in other movies before this. But hey, now he's been a zombie in The Walking Dead doesn't get much better than that and the uh the zombie sort of on the ground kneeling or leaning over the deer right off the comic book page yeah absolutely so as they as they start to just beat the living daylights out of this uh zombie it it seemed funny they kind of whack it in the head and then they're whacking it in the body and i i think it was a t-dog that has the pitchfork that he's going after him with i think joe had the pitchfork is that is that what it was and um and then, of course, up comes this – is, this is, proves even further that Dale is the man because Dale comes up with his hatchet and just whacks his head clean off. Um, and that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. So, you know, of course, they, they, they take out that zombie and uh, they start hearing more noise and rustling in the, in the forest. And to me, I thought this was a little phony. Formulaic. <laughs> yes, very formulaic. Very, um, it didn't surprise me very much that it would be Daryl coming up. And of course, he comes up with uh, his crossbow. Now, where's his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I agree that it was kind of cheesy that you know you hear the rustling in the woods and everything, but uh, they did a great job of building Daryl up before you met him. You know, yeah. I think I think the group said Daryl, you know, a dozen times before you actually get to see him. And there's a little added oomph to that because it's Norman Reedus who I, I found out this week a ton of people were waiting for Norman Reedus to show up on the show. So, uh, so that was a cool way to kind of build a little tension for him. Probably best known as one of the brothers from the Boondock Saints movies. Yeah, I, I should just mention that we'll, when I do Tweeting Dead, I'll talk about a whole bunch of people. But I kind of met the Norman Reedus unofficial fan club on Twitter um, as I was hanging around the Walking Dead hashtag on Twitter and just watching what people were saying, getting ready for the show. There was a ton of people that were super psyched about Daryl Dixon and, and Norman Reedus coming on. And it definitely stems out of uh, Boondock Saints, but they're like really into all his stuff. And uh, they're a cool bunch of people, but we'll talk about them later. Absolutely. So then we see a cool thing happen that the head starts to move again and the, the jaws start to open and close and of course, that's when uh, Daryl puts a arrow right in the head and says, uh, "You know, the, the you, it's got to be the brains, don't you? People know nothing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then he's he's a little hacked off because the zombie basically spoiled his his hunt, and uh, he even makes a comment about, you know, can we just cut away the parts where he chewed on and and eat the rest? And of course, nobody's willing to take that risk. But I love the fact that he claims he reclaims his arrows. You know, he pulls the arrows back out of out of the 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 head and the um, and the deer and and to reuse them. And we'll it's those consequences again. You know, there's there's actual amounts of ammo. You have a limited number of arrows and ammunition, and uh, that's definitely part of what makes this cool. Yeah, you can't you can't reuse a bullet. So. Yeah, it's not a John Woo movie. You can't go around shooting everybody with two guns at a time. <laughs> yeah, not everybody's got that that war machine cannon on their back with the unlimited ammo. So 
Shane, they all kind of make it back to camp. Shane tells Daryl about Merle, and then um, Merle or uh, Daryl obviously is is pretty hacked off about that, and um, starts. To, and then Rick kind of steps in and says, "Look, it was me. I'm the one that handcuffed him. You know, your brother's not easy to get along with. He's not an easy person to talk to." And they have a big scuffle, and of course, Daryl goes to pull out a knife. Uh, Rick and Shane take him down pretty easy, and uh, and and Rick wants to kind of make peace with him. You know, he doesn't want. You know, they, they don't want to have to do anything bad to him. He wants to try and explain to him what's going on and be able to kind of talk about it as, as men. And uh, so Daryl Daryl decides when they kind of tell him he's, you know, he's probably still alive. They chained up the door, you know, the door so that the, as, as T-Dog put it, the, the geeks couldn't get him. So Daryl wants to go I'm after sorry, him. I'm sorry, Russ. I didn't notice. I, I looked back after I watched this show. I didn't notice they were calling them geeks. Yeah, Glenn was yeah. doing it all through episode two. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I didn't pick up on it or, or whatever. I mean, I, it's not a big deal. It's just uh, it's a we, reference we, to we, we are the, the Walking Dead. Yeah, we are the geeks, though. We are the yeah. Walking Geeks. Yeah, it's a reference to Day of the Dead. They use that term a lot in uh, that movie. So when Daryl kind of gets together his plan of going to get um, Merle, Lori's kind of pissed because she kind of mentions, you know, that that Rick will go with them. And, um, you know, Shane and, and Rick kind of argue about going after Merle. And that's when Rick decides, okay, uh, I've got a better angle with this other than just Merle. Um, that, that there's the guns. We can go after the guns. We're going to need more guns and ammunition. We can't get by with what we have. And um, Rick, you know, outlines all the stuff that he left laying on the ground in Atlanta that's just waiting for them to go back for. And, of course, um, Rick kind of looks to Glenn um, to be kind of their – their uh, their guide for the return trip because he's you know been in and out many times which I thought was cool and of course um, T Dog since he feels some some guilt uh, about what happened with uh, with Merle decides he's going to go too yeah T Dog owned his mistakes this episode I thought that was cool of him yeah so Laurie and Rick kind of fight a little more about what's going on and uh, now c- can somebody clear this up for me because I was I watched the episode twice and I was a little bit confused both times by Lori now like like we said we're not so mad at Lori as we was as we were before but uh, Rick tells her he kind of brings up the idea that I might want to go after Merle and she goes you know you asking me telling me well then they get interrupted by something else and then she kind of volunteers that Rick will go to I everybody was, else I took that as she was being very sarcastic oh okay yeah. that would make sense yeah like you know Rick, the big man, will go with you. You know, when like five I, minutes later, she's complaining about. It. I'm like, you're the one who volunteered. <laughs> yeah, it was a dig. It was. I think it was that he'd made up his mind already, and so she was just going to kind of stick it in his face. I guess. Okay, that makes sense then. And when did um? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, Russ. When did he bring up that he was also going back for um? For Dwayne and Morgan, correct. Morgan. That, yep, that's what I was trying to say. That was after it, he talked about the guns. Yeah, that that's like right. Right at this point, he starts. He t- says that, that when he has the discussion with Lori, he uses that to kind of justify with her. He's like, "Look, there's the you know, Dwayne and Morgan are are going to Atlanta because I told them that's where we you know meet up, and I I have to warn them because they can't they can't go to Atlanta because they're going to run right into what I did, and I have to get the walkie-talkie because the walkie-talkie is in the bag. And then this is, I guess, a little inside baseball here, but they make a point of well, raise them on the CB or raise them on the um, you know the the cop radio and stuff like that, and then Shane um, says, "No, it won't work." You know, those are old radios; the frequencies won't match. And I thought that was really cool because that is very accurate. 
after 9-11 and we had a lot of interoperability with radios and stuff like that, especially in rural areas, a lot of fire departments, police departments and everything started to move over to a different frequency to match the same frequency range as big cities. So a lot of the older equipment is using like a UHF band and the new stuff is all like a 800 megahertz digital spectrum or 900 megahertz digital spectrum. So it makes complete sense to me, um, you know, having been involved with some of that to, to a degree that, that older handhelds would not work the way that you know the the big you know mounted radios in the in the vehicles would work so i thought that was kind of cool yeah i mean if you take this and the comments about why the car alarm wouldn't be a big deal they're really trying to like waterproof their plot you know like they're they're taking a little time so that the fanboys and the internets and everybody else can't poke holes in you know the plot as easily so that is cool yeah yeah so i thought that was kind of a neat neat little deal there so and that's another why he's trying to justify it it's like he's got a reason for everybody that he should really be the one to go and do this because he's got he's got a lot that needs to be dealt with so of course they need some bolt cutters and of course dale has the bolt cutters and i like the little interaction they had with dale where he's he's pretty hacked off at the fact that he let him borrow his tools and they didn't come back and so now he's going to give him the bolt cutters and then rick said you know hey consider consider an investment you know, basically, give us the bolt cutters and we'll get your other stuff back. But uh, I just, I, I, again, I just, I like the way Jeffrey DeMunn is playing Dale. And I like the way he's kind of, uh, he's kind of an old coot, but he's not being an old coot, I guess, you know. He's not being like a gr- like a crotchety old coot. Yeah, and he's certainly not an old fool. You know, he's, right. he's more seasoned, I think, is the way he's coming off. Yeah. He's yeah. probably the most pragmatic of the entire group, and that includes Rick. Yeah, I mean, he thinks everything yeah, through. I was just going to say, he's like the most practical of the group. This is really the yeah. scene where I, I came to be fully on board with Demun's version of, of Dale. Like, not that I disliked him earlier on in the series, but there wasn't really enough there for me to, to grasp what he was going for. And it was the scene I was like, yeah, I, I would have fun hanging out with this guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So then we find that we, we come across Jim, and Jim wants a hose. Because the the hose on their on the RV, I guess, is is shot, and so Rick pretty much tells him, "Look, if we make it back, you can take anything you want off that off that truck. It doesn't doesn't matter to me." So they're all kind of like horse trading here, to um, you know, before they take off. So then we get an interesting scene here between Shane and Rick, where Shane gives four rounds to to Rick, and it's funny that it you know because he you know he asks him how many rounds you have in the Python, and Rick tells him you know none, and. Uh, so then Shane Shane gives him he goes that's funny four bullets four people. So I'm either said this is intentional. Basically what he's saying is here's your four bullets to put in your gun. If you guys get to the point where you know that you're not going to get out, there's no hope for you at all, you're going to have to kill the three of them and then put a bullet in your own head. So the group leaves and then we get a really cool moment again and I think this is where when we talk about Lori kind of coming around as a character and not having that hatred. Um, this is another scene where she's she has this conversation with Carl, and Carl's real confident. He doesn't at this point he thinks his dad is invincible. His dad is Superman. Um, he survived being shot and put in a hospital. He survived the hospital being overrun by zombies. He escaped. You know he's 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 found them. So he's he feels pretty good about the fact that his dad's going to go off and do the right thing and be able to come back and. I thought it was cool with Lori because typically, you know, the parent always tries to be the strong one. 
And she even said, you know, no, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared a little bit. So I thought that was a really cool back and forth that, that they had with each other. One thing I wanted to mention uh, a moment that we, we might've glossed over when, uh, when Rick and Lori are kind of getting intimate after his return and they look in the photo album and all that stuff, you have that moment where Rick looks over and he's kind of afraid that Carl might wake up. Yes. And so Lori says uh, he won't wake up. And, and it, you know, at, at this point of the show, we're like, son of a, she's obviously had sex here with Shane. Yes. <laughs> and, it, yes. and it didn't wake up Carl. Oh, uh, I didn't even think of that, man. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Exactly. All I was thinking of was this kid lives in a zombie-filled post-apocalyptic uh, world there. I don't think he's going to be sleeping real deeply, you know? <laughs> well, apparently know. he sleeps through plenty. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a good point. So there was a scene we, that just happened a few minutes before uh, everybody leaves where Shane is trying to talk Rick out of leaving, you know, and Rick's talking about the guns. But... um pretty funny exchange that I liked where, where Shane calls Merle a douchebag and, and Daryl goes, you know, choose your words carefully there. And he goes, Oh, Oh, I did. Douchebag is what I meant. I thought that was Shane's uh, line of the night for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shane gained a little more respect for me at that, at that moment. I thought maybe he was coming around. And then by the end of the episode, Nope. <laughs> you have to be pretty badass to mess with those Dixon brothers. though. <laughs> <laughs> so, we cut to commercial break after that, after everybody's gone and Lori and Carl having their moment. And after we come back, um, we, we cut back and again, um, Dale's kind of being the lookout. Lori's looking for him. And she goes down to the, to the, you know, the pond or whatever. And, you know, because Shane is teaching them how to catch frogs. And so this is cool because it's like, this is like the gathering place for everybody. It seems like, you know, the, the women are are doing the the washing uh, down by the the pond, and they even make a crack um, again, like they did in the comic. That you know, why is it that the women, you know, basically women are doing women's work, and they kind of have their little uh, conversation about what they miss um, from the real world and and or from the, the zombie. And I thought that was interesting. Um, their some of their responses were were pretty funny, and uh, we get the scene with Shane and and Carl where they're doing the you know, trying to catch the frogs. And obviously the intention is just for Shane and Carl to bond and, and to spend time together and just have fun. And, and it was a real, you know, knowing that Rick is back, it was really kind of an odd, um, an odd moment, even though they both seem to be enjoying themselves. So at this point, um, Ed, uh, Carol's husband starts to, you know, basically start giving them a hard time about what they're giggling and laughing about. And, and, you know, that they should just, you know, get to work, you know, while he sits around smoking cigarettes. And then we cut back over to, to Lori, who comes up looking for Carl and basically tells Carl, you know, hey, I told you don't leave Dale's sight. And, you know, Carl says, well, you know, Shane was – I was with Shane and he was going to teach me how to do frogs and – or catch frogs. And then Lori, you know, tells him you don't listen to Shane. And then Shane kind of tries to jump in. And this is where Lori and Shane just basically have it out. And she says, you know, I mean, not even just like, hey, you know, we can't go on like we were before. She just flat out, flat out tells him, stay away from my kids, stay away from my husband, stay away from me, whatever we had. It's all done. No more, you know. And she even, and this is the the moment where I think we've we've kind of turned the page on um, on who the who the who the 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 true bad person is, um, and we'll see how it plays out. But Lori really gets on him because. 
Shane is the one that told Lori that he was dead and that he wasn't, you know, going to make it, and that they should. I'm guessing that he's the one that that was the impetus for them leaving Rick behind. And um, I'm not. I don't think we're sure exactly what was said, but it it sounds like Shane said that you know the hospital has been overrun. You know, there's nobody left. Everybody's dead. It's time to go. Yeah, I would say this is the point where all doubt went away that Shane initiated the wrong doing here. I mean, I guess you could still say that maybe something was going on even before Rick went into the hospital, but Shane definitely got this relationship rolling after the quote death of Rick. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I definitely think that's true. At first I was, I was leaning more in the, something was going on prior, but you know, given, you know, given that we've talked about it a little bit and, and I've kind of thought about it, I think you're right. I think, it's almost like Shane used that false pretense as a as a way to to get in in good with her, knowing you know before everything went to hell that that they were having problems anyway. So she'd kind of be ripe, you know, for um, for his advances. So definitely right. And don't you? We talked about it a little bit earlier, but we weren't up to this part yet. Don't you think he totally would have been like, "What are you talking about? You were it takes two to tango type of thing." You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if she were in on it more. Or if they were having a relationship beforehand, I think he would have used it against her at this point rather than just take the beating that he did. Yeah. So we cut back to Rick and crew, and they've made it back to the uh, building that they left Merle in and that they escaped from in, in the in the previous episode. And there's a zombie that went in the lobby, and, and it's a really cool scene. They're, they're all being kind of stealthy, trying to keep quiet, make sure that um, the zombie doesn't stir up any more of them, and Daryl just pulls up his bow and hits the zombie right in the head, of course, and um, and is able to put it down, and then, of course, walks back up and gets his arrow back. They, they've been adding, like, a, a nice sound effect every time he pulls the arrow out of, like, a skull or yeah. <laughs> that little... Yeah. Just enough to make it juicy. So that was kind of our little interlude, and then we go back to the camp again, and Ed and Andrea now are kind of getting into it, where you know Andrea is kind of bucking up to Ed because she knows what's coming, she knows how he's been treating um, Carol, and she's a little hacked off about it. And you know she basically tells Ed he needs to just go back to doing nothing like he's been doing and go smoke his cigarette. And he wants you know to bring Carol back with him, and they're 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 getting in between. So Ed ends up smacking Carol, and once this happens, uh, Shane sees sees what's going on, and he's all pumped up from you know, enough full of anger from getting beat down mentally from Lori. So he steps in, comes out of the water, and just starts beating the living hell out of Ed and working out all of his aggression. And he just pummels him. I mean, just punch after punch after punch. And the ladies kind of see what's going on. And even though he deserves it, they're they're still a little freaked out about it and don't don't think maybe he deserves it that much, that, that Shane's really going overboard. And of course, I think Carol's got a little bit of a battered, you know, battered wife syndrome going on. So she's actually kind of feeling for Ed a little bit and, um, and is crying and, and tries to get in the middle of it. And Shane gets in Ed's face and, and basically tells him if he touches Carol or anybody else in this camp again, that he's not going to stop. He's just going to keep on going and then kind of walks away. Yeah, this was interesting. Um, one thing that's an ongoing theme in the book is uh, the an alpha male struggle that happens a number of different times between some different characters. And uh, 
I think this is a great example of it here. I mean, Shane is was clearly the leader. He had the girl. He, you know, he took care of Ed at that fire, uh, that campfire scene. He's bringing back water. You know, he's the number one guy here. Now Rick comes back. His girl's gone. You can already tell that Rick's going to start making decisions uh, and being thought of. You know, right away they mention he's a police officer, so everybody's very impressed and, and kind of expecting him to be a lead, a leader in in the group. So Shane is just having a real hard time with this, and he totally takes it out on Ed to kind of enforce his, you know, his status as the lead male here. Not to take it on too much of a tangent, but uh, what was up with Shane's pants? <laughs> Why are they pulled up to his armpits like that? That is just weird. I, I don't get it, bro. I think he had black socks and sandals on, too, if I'm not mistaken. He was my <laughs> grandfather, just younger. Yeah, and it's funny because they make a point out of it, like him pulling those pants up while he's in the water. It's just, it's funny. It's like it's over-exaggerated almost. So we go back to Rick and the crew. They've made it up to the roof. Um, they cut through the, the chain. And then we get a really cool, I thought this was directed and shot very well. Um, we get a real low shot, and we cut over, and we see the, the hacksaw on the ground, and we slowly pan over. And then, of course, we, we see that Daryl is just freaking out. I mean, he's, he's like crying and you know just yelling and, and really just kind of losing it. And then we cut over a little more, and, of course, we see the hand laying there and then the handcuffs that are just hanging so merle has hacked his own hand off to save his bacon yeah i mean i think it's it's a scene that we all kind of saw coming but it's still delivered i mean seeing the hand laying there next to the bloody cuff and everything was just cool yeah and now of course the question is uh where's merle because that door was still chained shut so did he go over the side of the roof Uh, is there um Another stairway? Is there a fire escape we just haven't seen? Maybe the helicopter picked him up. <laughs> yeah, that's nah. what he's, he's flying around in the helicopter, uh, Apocalypse Now style, just shooting at things. Yeah, at first I was like, maybe they're going to have him like scaling down a drain pipe or something very movie-like, you know? But then I'm thinking, wait a minute, he's got one hand and he just hacked it off. I mean, he can't, <laughs> he can't be feeling that great right now, and I'm sure he lost a lot of blood. Well, he did have the, the, belt, the belt, so he could make a tourniquet. Yeah. Oh, very good. Good catch. Yeah. That's what I thought, actually. When, when he grabbed the belt, that's what he was going to do, is tie his arm off, and he was going to hack it right then. But obviously, he needed the belt first to grab the chainsaw, or the, cha- the chainsaw. <laughs> He's not Ash. <laughs> um, the hacksaw. Now, there's um, a flashback we need to see. Yeah. Groovy. This is my boomstick. Um. So what did we think? Can we go around the horn and kind of give our uh, impressions of the show? I give it four and a half um, busters. I, I thought it was very good. I thought it was definitely better than the, the second one, but not quite as good as the first one. Again, I, th- I thought the I think this, the, the way it was shot was um, I think the direction the and was a better was done better. Uh, the, the only thing I had was I think the editing was a little strange. We had these cuts back to like when we cut back to Rick in the group, they were very quick cuts. And I don't know if maybe they were running out of time and figured, okay, if you, if we have to make a cut for time, that at this point the Rick story of them getting back to the to the building and back to Atlanta is not as important as what's going on in the camp. Um, and they decided to keep that. But I just thought if you're going to cut away – 
why cut away for just like 10 seconds or 15 seconds and then cut back to a really long scene and then cut back for 15 seconds and then go back to the camp? It just it seemed like a strange editing move to me. I think I'll also give the episode four and a half busters out of five. Uh, that seems seems fair to me. I agree with Russ. Uh, I don't know if I liked it better than the pilot, but uh, definitely better than episode two. And uh, yeah, it just it worked for me as an as an episode of TV. I would go uh, four out of five busters. I enjoyed it. I thought the direction was better in the second episode. Again, like you guys said, didn't think it was as gripping as the pilot. I'm interested that uh, this had more of the pacing of the comic book. Like, uh, you know, um, a lot of character studies uh, with, like, just a few punctuating action sequences and whatnot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the tone travels after this. Yeah, I'm going with a four. I liked it a lot, just like you guys. I liked it better than Guts, probably not as much as the pilot. Uh, I'm going to leave a little more room for better episodes than this one for four and a halfs and fives, because I'm hoping for that, uh, for, you know, just to keep picking up steam. I think that would be awesome. The thing I loved about this episode was even though most of the events in this episode did not take place in the comic, they managed to capture the feel of the comic. I mean, this definitely felt like an issue of The Walking Dead, but yet nothing that happened has occurred in the comic. And most of the characters that were spotlighted in this show are not even comic characters. So I thought it was fantastic that they were able to capture that feel without even using or reusing, I should say, the material. I agree. So this is a perfect opportunity to play Brad's uh, recorded audio. He, again, regrets that he couldn't be here to talk about it with us in person, but uh, he left a little sound file for us to play. So here goes. Hello, fellow co-hosts and fellow listeners of the Walking Dead TV podcast. This is Brad. Sorry I couldn't make it to the episode tonight, but I'm working late, so I got to pay the bills, you know. Uh, this episode gets four and a half busters from me. I liked it a lot. I really, really liked it. Uh, I like the fact that, that this story can have character-centric episodes and not so many zombies. Um, you know, I love zombies as much as the next person. But the fact that the, the comic, to me, is a character-driven story, that's what The Walking Dead is, uh, this episode played into that nicely. Some really great character moments here. I like the fact that we kind of have an answer about who is the catalyst of the situation, the problem with uh, Laurie and Shane. I guess we now know that Shane's the douchebag, and it's, which is funny because <laughs> that was a, a funny scene where he was calling Merle Dixon the douchebag, and his brother says, you choose your words. He goes, no, douchebag, that's what I meant to say. I thought that was funny, but I guess we know now that the only reason Lori was hooking up with Shane is because Shane said, your husband's dead. So anyway, uh, I'm glad that's kind of cleared up for me. Um, great episode, good action. Uh, I'm really starting to like the character of Merle because you know he's just a big pansy at heart. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, I mean, obviously I saw the end coming, but, um, it was, uh, it was good. It was good. I'm, I'm happy with it. I liked it. I wish I could be there to talk about it with you guys. As you can tell, I'm surrounded by frogs right now and it's kind of creepy. Uh, there's this one that keeps making this weird noise. <laughs> I'm not really not sure it's a frog, but, you know, who knows? It might be a frog. Anyway, I want to thank the listeners for 
tweeting in and emailing and and voicemailing. I think it's awesome. I'm glad that you guys enjoy the show as much as we do. Uh, please continue to, to do that. And uh, thanks for all the podcast love. And I hope to be on next week's episode. Thanks, guys. So I'm going to say that um, Brad got his frog sound effect the same place that I got my tweeting dead sound effect. And they're both pretty lame. I don't know. What's going on with that frog? There's that one frog that's like saying a word. The one that's like doom. Yeah. Doom. Yeah. That was weird. But thanks, Could Brad. A banjo. I don't know. <laughs> we appreciate you uh, getting your thoughts in, even though you couldn't make it. Okay, everyone. So here's the deal. Uh, we lost about half of our original recording. The synopsis that you heard of the episode and everything prior to that was recorded on Monday night, and we lost the back end, so now we're back on Tuesday night, and we're going to do our voicemails and tweets and everything else that we originally had done. So we lost half the show, but we did gain a Milo, which is pretty cool. We have Brad on the phone now. Hello, Brad. Hey, sorry about the 1.0 audio here, but uh, yeah, the show's much better when I'm on it, so let's do this. Agreed. And uh, Jordan is still here with us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jordan is yeah, that was kind of laughable. Jordan is here. Russ yes, is hopefully on his way, and we did lose Jim in the day carryover, but we will carry on. So we're gonna go to our voicemails right now. The first thing I'd like to do is mention a young lady named Reese. Uh, we appreciate Reese calling in. She called in twice, which is lovely, but unfortunately, I could not hear the audio on either of them. Um, it must have been either a cell phone issue or a Skype thing or however. But uh, So I apologize to Reese. Call in again sometime, and hopefully it'll work out better. If you couldn't hear the audio, how do you know it was her? I heard her name in the beginning. Ah, it was all down. Bad. It was downhill from there. Okay, so here is another try. Hey there, this is Kyle Hebert from Burbank, California. Walking Dead episode three. Really, really great stuff. Man, Michael Rooker as Merle Dixon, man, that that's a tour de force right there. Great stuff. After, you know, you wanted him to die and be left to the zombies, and then suddenly, you know, he's turning in this performance where suddenly you, you, you actually kind of feel for the guy and everything. Uh, I really like the amped up... Uh, interactions between the people not not a lot of zombie action believe it or not in the uh, in the episode but you know uh great performances all around to see the dynamics you know um rick grimes gets back with his wife and, and everything you see the the stress the torment going on the uh the misogynist husband and i like seeing that that smackdown going on there <laughs> at the end that was great like oh yeah Take that one there, cousin. So, uh, <laughs> great stuff. It's a shame that we're already halfway through season one, man. I can't believe that. I've never read the comic, but I'm a huge fan of the show. Huge, huge fan. I, I love this show. It's, it's amazing, the dynamic, and uh, I love that it's on AMC, so we get a an unfettered look. We get some nice gore and uh, all that. So, Walking Dead, the stakes are amping up. Love where it's going. All right. Thanks, Kyle. One of the kind of ongoing themes between all the different people we talk to on Twitter and voicemails and stuff like that 
is, uh, you know, all of a sudden they love the character of Merle or they're interested in where it's going. And that's a big turnaround from uh, from Guts, I would say. Well, you, did you, uh, you played my little audio file with my thoughts earlier, right? Of course we did. Yeah, um, I uh, I know I said something about it, but I'll, I'll say it again. I, I really fell for Merle uh, when he started crying like a baby, you know, help me Jesus, that whole bit. And, uh, you know, I was really like, okay, this is going to be a one-note character. And uh, it turns out he's just a big pansy, like I said. And I think that really added to his character. And then, uh, uh, it just made me not mind his character. I'll put it that way. I, uh, I'm looking forward to, especially looking forward to see uh, seeing a hand short. Also, you know, we've beaten this to death, but I think it's pretty important if you love the tone of this episode, you really need to check out the comic. I mean, this one, I think, really captured the spirit of the comic the most out of the first three. I would totally agree. Um, you know, this, and I think I mentioned it at the risk of repeating myself, this was a character-driven episode, and that's why, that's, to me, that's the strength of the Walking Dead story, are the characters. So uh, I would agree 100%. You like this? Yeah, I think you'll love the book as well. All right, let's try another. Hey guys, this is Victor from Exploring the Multiverse Video Podcast. So I'd give you guys a call and uh, give my quick thoughts on the past Walking Dead episode. Uh, right away, I want to give it uh, just shy of five busters. Uh, I love the episode. I like the fact that it developed uh, the storyline a lot more. You know, we only saw what like three zombies, three instances of zombies in the whole episode. Uh, you know, it shows a lot for the show of, like, this is character-driven, and, and it's not about the zombies. So uh, I love the episode. It's just moving along at a right pace for me. And uh, even to say how much the show crosses over to, to a multitude of people, I have my wife watching it with me, and she's loving it, and I even have my in-laws watching it. And they got on their DVR now because they're they're just loving the show. So uh, thought it was great, and uh, you guys are chuckling along, doing a great podcast. So keep up the good work. See you later. Thanks, Victor. Everybody, check out the Exploring the Multiverse video cast. Really fun stuff. Bunch of guys sitting around a room drinking beer and, and talking about geek stuff. A lot of fun. Have any of you guys had any luck getting um, non-genre? family and friends uh into the show and, and what have they thought well i i showed first two episodes i guess to a couple friends of mine who they you know they never read the book they're not comic readers uh they're not huge into zombies like it wasn't they i didn't get a negative sense of zombies from them but they both enjoyed it i know one of my sister's friends is over right now and we were just talking before we recorded that uh she watched the pilot and she said that was it for her. She could tell it was very well made, but she just couldn't handle the violence, um, which I understand. Other than that, I haven't had too many non-comic or comic-friendly uh, people that I've talked to about it so far. But uh, I hope to have many more conversations in real life uh, as the show goes along. I have a, a few friends that I've introduced to The Walking Dead through the TV show, uh, both of which have not read the comics. The one girl watched the pilot with her husband and they are now reading my 
Walking Dead hardcovers. They liked it so much after one episode. They said, yeah, we got to read these books. So I got a, a conv- couple of converts that way. And then another guy named Brian, he hadn't even heard about the show uh, until the uh, right before, like the Sunday the third episode aired. He, I was talking to him about it. He had never even heard about the show. So I told him about it, and he says that's something he's definitely going to watch. So uh, it, it is appealing to the non-comic book reader. I think that's really, really sweet. Yeah, I'm not having as much luck. Um, I've only tried with my wife who has pretty much stood there appalled and shook, uh, shaken her head at me, much like she does when I watch foreign kung fu movies or, you know, cartoons. Anywho, let's try another one. This is from our buddy Alan, uh, Zero Fights on Twitter. Hey guys, this is Alan from UK, Zero Fights on Twitter. I just finished watching the latest episode of The Walking Dead. Not much zombie action, but a great episode to focus on the characters. I think the show will have some sort of alternating episodes of intense action, just like we saw in the guts, and an episode where we focus on the character just like this episode. I don't get the meaning of the title. In many cultures, um, frog symbolizes wealth, fertility, and fortune. Does the title bears any significance other than the frog hunting of Shane and Carl? Is the episode referring to someone or a number of people since it's frogs? Plural. Frog is an amphibian who is able to adapt into conditions, land and water. Could it be that the frog refers to Shane, who arrives to the camp and then go back to land, or refers to Laurie, who is torn between two guys, or perhaps Dixon, who is between life and death? Anyway, I'll let you guys discuss about that. I'm looking forward for more zombies. Alright, thanks Alan. I didn't think that the title had any more significance than just the line that Laurie gave Shane. I know like a show like Lost, for instance, that the title was kind of like a cool little addition to the show where you'd have to figure out why the show was called that and then something would kind of reveal it during the episode. Um, But I didn't think anything more than that. No, I have a feeling he just probably missed the one reference to the title in the episode. Um, Tell it to the frogs. I don't think it has any meaning other than that. I, I'm, in, I'm in the same camp. I think the dude's thinking a little too hard about it and probably, like Jordan said, just missed her saying it. So then again, I don't like to think too hard about most things. So who knows? He may be on something. And what do you guys think about the alternating kind of action and then character-driven episodes? Do you think that's intentional at this point or that's just kind of the way it's gone in the first three I wouldn't be surprised if it was intentional for the first three. I, I don't see them sticking to any set formula like that in the future. Um, if it if the story calls for action, they're going to do action. And if it calls for something more character-driven, I think that's what they're going to do. So far, they need to set everybody up and give the viewers a you know kind of a microcosm of the entire feel of the show. And now they've had a uh, really character-driven episode, a really action-driven episode, and, and like we were saying before, this one, which is kind of the perfect feel for The Walking Dead. So I think now that they've gotten to this feel, they'll probably stick closer to it, but you could have ones that skew one way or the other. You never know. Well, like we've said before, you know, the, the book works the same way. Sometimes you'll have a, an issue that's just nothing but zombie action, and then sometimes there's an issue that goes by and you might see one zombie. So I don't think it's uh, out of line at all for the feel of the book to have varying episodes like that either. Very cool. So thanks again for those voicemails. Uh, Once again, our voicemail is 
468-468-7912. We'd love to hear your guys' reactions to the show, you know, after it airs. And uh, we usually do our recording on Monday night. So you got about 24 hours after you watch the show to send us a call. So thanks again. And I am going to send this over to Jordan, who is going to read through some emails. Sure, I've got the emails right here. And before we get to the emails, there's actually one bit of news that's come in since uh, we recorded the first half of the episode with the news there. And that is a rumor. Let's just say for sure it's a rumor. I haven't seen it confirmed by AMC anywhere, although it makes perfect sense. But uh, the rumor is that the show will not return for season two until next Halloween. Uh, that the, the, the rumor continues to say that uh, AMC really, really liked the promotion they were able to get out with their Fear Fest, their, their kind of uh, horror movie film festival that goes on for the entire month of October or just the week before. I'm not sure. Um, it worked really well to get people watching The Walking Dead, and it's when they get pretty much their highest viewership in terms of movies. So they want to be able to use the same exact effect next year. Like I said, just a rumor, but uh, so far what we think is that the next season won't be back until next Halloween, which I'm fine with, but what do you that's, guys think about that? That's a sucky rumor. I hate it. Yeah. I want to wait a whole dang year. Especially since that means, oh, I don't know, 45 weeks of shows without a TV show to talk about? <laughs> well, we can always start covering yeah, I, Glee if you want. No, we will I not. I don't see any reason for them to have to wait. I mean, I I understand the you know the marketing of Halloween and whatnot, but you know what I've realized when I say the word whatnot a lot? And I want to apologize to, to the listeners for that because I know that's get it wrong. No, seriously, I, I, that's a sucky rumor. I hate it. Don't, wait, don't make me wait. Well, here's another thing that kind of supports the rumor, Brad, and I'm, I don't know if this will change your opinion at all or not, but we'll see. AMC, they have awesome original programming, but they only play it on Sunday nights, or that's when they debut everything, right? So Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Rubicon for its one season. They've got a couple other shows coming up next year that look pretty interesting. Mad Men always plays the same time, right until pretty much before Walking Dead started. It was like a week before, I think. Breaking Bad usually plays in the spring. It's going to go back to mid or to early summer this year, right before Mad Men, and they've got their new shows in the spring. Now, Breaking Bad, or not Breaking Bad, uh, Walking Dead wouldn't be finished, even if they started now. It wouldn't be finished and ready to go in the spring when those other new shows that are already being filmed right now are going to air. And they have already have Breaking Bad and Walk- uh, Mad Men established. So as long as they stick with their we play new programs on Sunday night because that's when there's an open slot across TV pretty much. There is no room for The Walking Dead until October. So logistically for them, if they want to stick with their normal spiel, that's what they have to do. But does that that change anything for you? Well, they've never they've never played like two new shows on the same night. It's always been you play one season of a new show and then you start show B. Uh, they did Rubicon and Mad Men at the same time. Then I say do Walking Dead and some other show at the same time. Don't make me wait till October. I don't want to wait till October. <laughs> let, let me put it this way. I'd rather wait till October and have 13 awesome episodes than get it early and have 13 half-ass episodes. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to wait until October, Three or Jordan. four months would really make a difference between the quality of episodes. Well, they've got to have that CG chicken we're not supposed to spoil. I just don't want to wait. Let's go to the emails. I I do not blame you for not wanting to wait. But yes, let's get to the emails. We've got a couple. Some of them are very long. uh, What if I'm not through complaining about waiting? Continue, sir. Tell it to the frogs. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Continue. 
Alrighty, so first off, we have an email from Jason. I don't know if this is Jason from uh, one of our fellow podcasts at the Walking Dead Podcast Network at forumforgeeks.com. I think it is because of a line he says in this that reminds me of other episodes, but he says, this episode gets a solid four out of five. Vatos, which is episode number four, will get an 11. So based on that, I think he's from one of the other shows, but I I can't say for sure. I I forget his last name. Then Courtney sent us a very long email that I'm going to skip some parts of just because uh, I do need sleep eventually. But she says, hey, guys, first got to say I really enjoy the podcast, episodic, bonus and otherwise. So keep them coming. Merle, we knew you had problems, buddy, but not quite to this extent. I'm talking, of course, of that great opening we got of Dixon still on the roof and acting completely wackadoodle. Uh, She says, I was kind of freaking out when last week's episode ended with Glenn's blaring car alarm was shrieking and probably being heard from far and wide. I wanted him to stop and shut it off before he led the army of undead back to everyone else. Glad we got the little uh, explanation about the sound carrying in the canyon so they were okay. I also like that explanation that Dale came up with. Yeah, Dale was very, very pragmatic in this episode. Made made a lot of good observations about things. I'd also like to congratulate that listener on her uh, successful use of the word wackadoodle. <laughs> yes. So she says she's not sure what to, to think about Lori at this point. Uh, from her reactions, I take back my early speculation that she was carrying on with Shane before everything. Still leaning towards dislike with Lori, yes, she thought her husband was gone and dead. People were walking around, but... Sure, that's going to make everyone freak out, and I hate that she hooked up with Shane and then Rick last night. I'm not ready to trust her yet. Shane I have my issues with, but I'm glad he beat that abusive jerk's ass. Granted, it became less about the jerk and more about Shane's misplaced, let's say, uh, projected aggression. Whose face was he picturing? Rick's for not dying and leaving Shane to step into his shoes on all fronts, or his own for being lying, cowardice, horrible friend? Last thing, was it me, or were they all going about saying things the wrong way and telling Daryl about Merle? There's got to be a more tactful way of saying your brother's a jerk and we left them handcuffed and surrounded by zombies. Anyway, love the show. Can't be that we only have three episodes left. I give this one 4.5 busters. Looking forward to the podcast. Courtney is known also as Jen Deve on Twitter, and she is one of our many faithful retweeters and followers and promoters of the show. So thanks to her for contributing and spreading the word. Hey, did y'all talk about Buster, the absence of Buster yet? No, you know, we really didn't, and it was clearly because you weren't around, so it's very disappointing. Where, I don't get it. Where's Buster? I mean, the, uh, I've done my research, and the Buster is played by a man named, I believe his name is Joe Giles. I found his Facebook page. He's got an IMDb page, and uh, he is credited for zombie in two episodes which is kind of disappointing because I really wanted him to be there all the time but I we've yet to see him I'm hoping maybe we'll see him next episode because they're still in Atlanta and I don't think zombie I don't think Buster's going to leave Atlanta because there's so much action going on there right probably not Brad maybe this is why it's a bit of providence that season two is being delayed a little bit or not delayed a little bit but won't be around we have time to start a campaign to get Buster on the show as a full-time cast member that would be awesome yeah yeah no I've got some ideas I'm gonna be right in uh, Frank Darabont. three B's bring back Buster you, you know when they canceled uh, what's the show Jericho they had people sending in nuts to CBS because that was uh, something that happened in the in the show when Caprica got canceled. They, uh, there was a campaign to send in apples. Maybe we should cut off our hands and send them into AMC. 
You go first. You do that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, as we have uh, kind of tried to explain that this is our second night of recording this episode, uh, we have now brought in, or brought back, I should say, Mr. Jim Dietz. Hello, Jim. Hi, everybody. How are things in the future? Oh, they're just dandy. We have flying cars, uh, robot, robot dogs. It's really great. Jordan's kids are the problem, aren't they? They are. <laughs> it's your kids, Jordan. They're the problem. I'll go get my tubes tied tomorrow. <laughs> uh, how about another email? So then we got an email from Aaron from California. He said, I really enjoyed the third episode of the series. Now that we've had both the awesome setup establishing Rick and an episode devoted to showing us lots of zombie action, this is the tone I want to see the series take. And we, of course, agreed. This episode does a lot of great character work while still having the zombies as a presence in the background for the most part. Finally getting to the camp and living with these people was nice. I was enjoying the drama involving Shane and Lori, although I don't think Lori's going to get any more fans. I was also surprised by how effective the cold open was. Merle's character, who I hated last week, was actually redeemed to an extent, as he was pushed to his limits, followed by that awesome reveal at the end. Looking forward to see this season stay on track for the next three episodes. Four busters. I don't know that Lori didn't gain any new fans this show. I, I started it, my shrine. Yeah, I, I think it really redeemed her, um, or it certainly swerved it from what we might have been thinking the first two shows. It definitely changed my opinion of her. I mean, um, again, at the cost of repeating myself, um, you know, she she thought her husband was dead for crying out loud. It, you know, they she told us as listeners, this a hole told me my husband was dead, and this is why I did what I did. And we have one last email from Austin, who was the one who mentioned uh, the Gary Busey lookalike with, uh, with Buster there. We'll get to that at the end of this email. But he says, I love the podcast. I've not read the comic, but I plan to after season one ends. I think you should consider having someone on the show that isn't familiar with the comics or the show. I don't always have the same impressions that you have. I like that you have the ability to contrast the comic, but you may gain something from someone who doesn't have all the knowledge you do. For example... Lori does seem self-interested, but not to the point that should elicit the kind of reactions you've had. I know you know from the comic that she will turn out to be an ep epic, explicit deleted, but I feel that you're coloring my impression of the show a little too much. I think I may hold off until the end of the ep season to listen to the rest of the recap episodes. With that said, once again, great show, Aaron. Uh, P.S. Uh, he says, uh, he attached an image, but he says, read the attached image. Buster is clearly a Busey, and I'm pretty sure that the first Walker to realize in episode two that our blood-splattered heroes weren't Walkers themselves was Dwight from The Office. But honestly, that's impossible. There's no way Dwight would be caught unprepared. So thank you, Austin, and everybody else for the emails. If you would like your email read on a future show, uh, you can send an email to comments at walkingdeadtv.com. We're, we're kind of getting the hang now of separating the two. Um, it was probably a little bit harder earlier on where we didn't have any of the information from the TV show yet. You know, we were just kind of introduced to the TV show version and we began to kind of extrapolate our own connections, you know, to the comic book and stuff. But as the show goes on and we see how it's being done differently, uh, hopefully we can separate the two better. Just a couple of comments uh, for me. Again, I, I think I said this maybe in the, one of the first two episodes. I never had a problem with Lori in the comic. Never, not once. I liked her character. I cared about 
you know, what was going on with her. I never experienced any, any of the Lori hate that uh, the Pamp and uh, Mr. Deeps have expressed. Uh, I don't understand it, quite frankly, because she, you know, she's just a worry wart. You know, if that makes you hate somebody, then, you know, get a life. But not you, Jim. I know you have a life. I know, I know you don't need any more. I wasn't picking on you personally, but um, I, I just, uh, I, I don't want somebody to get an impression of a character being a certain way in a book when they're not that way in the book. You know what I'm, does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't hate her in the book, but I hear where everybody's coming from, you know, and we really can't get into how she was used in the book or how she kind of uh, went about her business and what ends up happening. But, yes, I understand what you're saying. I, I dig it, too. I also wanted to say that I like her actually better in the series so far than the way she was portrayed in the book. Um, she seems more forthright and not as... Uh, I don't. I can't really go into specifics without spoiling anything. But I mean, uh, is she uh, in the book? She comes off as very demanding and very needy and very, uh, um, just. I mean, a lot of there are a lot of traits she has in the book that I'm seeing that aren't really being uh, expressed uh, in her character in the show. I would agree with that, Jim. I think I think the, that's a fair description of the difference between the show and the and the book. Uh, one other comment I would like to say. Uh, you know, we've heard several people say, I'm, you know, I'm going to start reading the books once the season is over and read up to where they make it in, at, to the end of the season. Uh, if these next three episodes uh, of the season follow the same kind of tempo and, and straying off of the path and back onto the path type of deal that the first three have, and you're going to, in the in the uh, hiatus, you're going to read the comics and catch up to the point they are in the series, you're not going to have a lot of comics to read. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and they really they really don't follow at all. I mean, sure, you're going to see Rick return to camp, um, and you're going to see him in the hospital early on, but all of this stuff on the roof and the Dixon brothers and, geez, I don't know, every, everything else is, is pretty much going in its own direction right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really, really surprised if... The events of the first six issues, especially stuff that happens in the last issue uh, of that first trade, issue number six of the book, I'm going to be surprised if we see any of that in these first six episodes of, of the series. I'll be very, very surprised if that happens. All right. So I guess that brings us to one of our favorite segments. <laughs> Yes, it's the tweeting dead. Uh, I love that sound effect more probably than anyone, but I'm going to keep playing it. Because you created it, right? I did create it. Okay, first things first. On Twitter in the last couple of weeks, I had been noticing the huge influx of Norman Reedus fans that have begun, um, we'll call it, hanging around the Walking Dead hashtag. Uh, and I had no idea that he had this big a following. And it's really cool because I, I kind of see the connection. Like, we're the big comic book fans, right? And we're really excited that the mainstream TV watching audience is getting exposed to one of our favorite stories and maybe the comic as well. And they have kind of the same thing going on. They're really excited that their favorite actor, Norman Reedus, is now getting like a mainstream TV role 
and will be exposed to more people. Now, it's not to say that he wasn't famous. Of course, we talked about this earlier with uh, the Boondock Saints movie and uh, some of the other work that he's done. I did also just want to mention that Brad has not seen Boondock Saints. So, shame on him. Brad, would you like to comment? Yeah, I meant to do my research. Uh, Norman Reed, is, is, is he uh, Daryl Dixon? He is indeed, sir. Okay. Yeah, uh, I liked uh, I liked him. I think I've met a few of those people actually. Met a few people like that in my time. I look forward to I look forward to more of, of that character, and uh, I, I look forward to watching Boondock Saints because Johnny uh, highly praised it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a good action movie, and it's got a lot of other elements. It's got a huge cult following. Um, it's so- one of my wife's favorite movies. She loves Irish boys with guns. Sweet. She should watch Sons of Anarchy then, too, if she likes Irish boys with guns. Awesome show. Uh, So real quick, we're going to do some Twitter. These are the Twitter names for the cool Norman Reedus fans that I've met. Bum Bum Girl has been like the contact person for me. Colleen, she's awesome. She helped me kind of gather all the names and answered some questions for me. And they're really cool. They want to, you know, they're they're smart and they get it. And uh, I'm having fun on the Twitter with them. So that's Reedus Fan, Reedus Lover, Paige Cooks, Fake Six Pack, which I love that name. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Uh, Sask Prairie Girl. Because you wish you had one. I have a 12 pack, dude, in my fridge. <laughs> Fanger with three R's. Cookied Angel, Shea Girl 22, Boondock Chicky, and Crash Disaster. So they've been awesome. They've been retweeting. I asked if we could be like the official podcast of the uh, Norman Reedus fans, and they said, yeah. So that that sounds good. So I'd also like to shout out uh, Cindy Mueller, literary chick, Cujo three seventeen, uh, Girl of Mayhem, and Harley Big Daddy. They're like awesome with uh, retweets and just helping us get the word out and stuff. So all right, so here we go. Harley Big Daddy said Lori has seen a ghost, which I thought was kind of a, a cool comment because he did it while he was watching the show, and that pretty much sums up the face that uh, Sarah Wayne Callies had when when Rick showed up. I thought that was pretty dead on. Uh, Victor, again, uh, from uh, Exploring the Multiverse, said Merle is sure a handy guy, in quotes. So he got a little... Thank you. So uh, so that's cool. Renerd said Riddip. So he was uh, referring to the frogs. Of course, Renerd is which podcast, Jordan? Talking uh, Dead? And I always get this confused. It's either the Talking Dead or Walking Dead cast. They're both great shows. You can find them both at forumforgeeks.com. Who, who's doing that, Brad? Uh, yes. <laughs> the only the only frogs I can imitate are the Budweiser ones. Lynn, Ducky is lost. Uh, this was a good one. She said the ending sequence was the first time the score really came to the forefront, and it was awesome. Very unsettling. So I know, Jordan, you're a big fan of the uh, music of the show. Do you want to comment on that? Sure. Well, uh, two things. First off, I think it actually also came to the forefront in the reunion scene, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, the ending song was so neat. And if you are enjoying the music of the show or you enjoyed uh, my interview with Bear McCreary, who does the music, we did that on episode three, check out bearmccreary.com slash blog or just bearmccreary.com. And there's a there's a link on the sidebar. Uh, he, after every episode, I don't know if it's immediately after it airs or the next morning, but he posts a pretty in-depth blog talking about the instruments they used in that episode uh, the thought process behind uh, those instruments choices and the, the musical choices, uh, some of the different musicians that he's using. 
it's really cool to see how it all comes together. So if you're a musical nerd like I am at all, or you just have any, you know, even a passing interest in what goes into scoring a television show, you're going to want to check that out. Hey, I have a, I have a comment. Um, I remember Jordan was saying that Bear said he was going to layer new things into each episode's open. Yes. And this is the, this episode watching the, uh, the open was the first time I thought, well, this sounds a bit different. So I think, I think there is something to that. Actually. I think there was, a little bit. It sounded a little busier this time. This uh, this open for this episode. We saw. Maybe you guys talked about this, but uh, do we see the character? Uh, I think his name was Jim in the book. You know, at the camp, he was helping Dale with the RV. Was that was that Jim, the guy with the ball cap? They never say his name, but yeah, I'm definitely assuming that is Jim, especially because of the coveralls. Yeah, the coveralls and the ball cap made me think. Well, that, I think that's Jim, but yeah, I never heard his name either. But. Um, I mean, uh, Jordan and I think that was Jim. What about you guys? I want to say that they said his name, but maybe I'm getting confused. Yeah, I kind of was, was going to say Joe? the same thing, John. I was going to say the same thing. That, that I think they mentioned him by name, like Dale says his name maybe, but I can't remember exactly where in the episode. For some reason, I'm thinking they said Joe. We'll have to well, check that Well, maybe they out. did, and, and we all missed it, but uh, that sure looked like Jim. Folks, as Whoever we- it was, if he was doing a Jim impression, it was dead on. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I guess if that's what they were going for, they wouldn't name him Joe, so I'm probably wrong. <laughs> They're like, this will really, this will really uh, confuse everybody. Let's just call Jim Joe. So, uh, According to IMDB, that is Andrew Rothenberg, and he is indeed Jim. And there you have awesome. it. So as we work back towards full cast strength, I would like to bring in Mr. Russell Latham. Hello, Russ. Hi. Russell. Evening. So, a uh, couple more tweets. Lynn also said she really liked how Merle's story bookended the episode, uh, which was a pretty nice comment there. I, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way until she said it that they did open and end with uh, with Merle. So that was pretty cool. Wild Mercy says he wasn't happy about Glenn being so reluctant to go with Rick. Did anybody feel that Glenn was out of character in, in this episode? I did not. No, I thought he continued to be sucky. Nah. I thought, I thought he was fine. I I thought it fit because Glenn is usually on his own, in and out, along the periphery, and for them to want to go back into Geek Central and go back through the hell they just got out of, I'm reluctant to do that too because I'm used to going back on my own terms, you know, my own way. I got a cool car. Yeah. He had a cool car. Yeah. I like when Rick was like, we can always steal another one. Uh, so one more quick tweet. Again, the aforementioned Bum Bum Girl, probably the best Twitter name possible. She says that she's not, she's still not sure about Rick and Lori. Um, she doesn't totally trust Lori yet. You know, how long has it been since the outbreak happened? A month or two didn't take her long to mourn her husband. And we've kind of gone over this enough, I think, at this point. Um, you know, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse if you thought your husband was dead type of thing? But she's still expecting maybe that swerve that's going to put us all against Lori again at some point. So then we got some ratings. I asked for out of five Buster ratings. Crash Disaster says uh, it was awesome. That makes it a five, right? Come on, you agree? Texition says three to three and a half busters. Character building show. Some questions answered. 
not that much action. And, you know, we heard that a couple times in the voicemails, too, uh, that it wasn't a big action show. Uh, and, and we talked about this a little bit. You know, coming off of Guts, maybe everybody was expecting that to be the tone throughout. Um, so I wonder where it goes from here in terms of, uh, like we said, are they going to alternate? Are they going Is it going to ramp up towards the end? Well, I have a feeling next episode is going to be back to the style of Guts, especially because they ended this episode with them you know, in Atlanta. So we've got a lot of zombie action coming up. And uh, Lynn gave it four and a half. Luthen gave it a four to a four and a half. Aaron's PS3 gave it a four. Says Merle redeemed himself, kinda, which I can agree with. And uh, Alan, our Asian friend in the UK, gave it a quattro, which was kind of strange, but uh, but that works because we know that means four. So thanks everyone for all the tweets. Again, uh, we're enjoying it. We love the feedback. Let's keep it going. All right, so that about does it for uh, this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast. What we're going to do is send it over to Jim. He's going to take care of our closing business. Then we're going to cut quickly to Jordan, who's going to preview the next episode of The Walking Dead. So if you don't want to hear the preview, you might want to cut out at that point. But uh, think about that carefully, because after the closing music, we're going to run our new blooper reel, which has some pretty good laughs in it. So, Just like an old Burt Reynolds movie, we put all the funny stuff after the credits. Right. <laughs> Just we like also I'll- all have gigantic mustaches. <laughs> uh, first thing I'd like to mention is the nominations are being accepted at uh, www.podcastawards.com. If you like what we do here on the Walking Dead TV podcast or any of our uh, family of podcasts, Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Ways to Speak of the Devil, you know, take the 30 seconds, go over there and nominate us for a uh, podcast award. We'd really appreciate it. It would really help us get the word out on our podcast and uh, get, you know, get it out there. If you'd like to uh, send us a voicemail, the number is 516-468-7912. Uh, if you'd like to drop us an email, that's comments at walkingdeadtv.com. If you'd like to follow us on the Twitter, that's at WDTV Podcast. So thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Jordan? All right. Remember, right after we close out the episode, we'll have a preview of episode number four and then some bloopers. But if you don't want to hear the preview, remember to cut out after we close. So until there's no room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, Merle actually had quite the will to live in the end. You've got to hand it to him. Get it? You hand it to him? Yeah, they can't all be winners. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. night. So next week on The Walking Dead, on Sunday night, we have episode number four, Vatos. Vatos is co-written by Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, and it's going to be directed by Johan Rennick, who has directed two episodes of Breaking Bad. So that's a nice little pedigree right there. And the summary that AMC has has supplied us with is Rick's mission to Atlanta is jeopardized when things go awry. And Jim becomes unhinged in camp. Why does everyone hate Lori? Is it worse to kill a horse or a little girl? Where's Brad? All of these answers. All of these answers. Question. <laughs> On this episode of Soap. <laughs>
somebody's crapping in their seat. <laughs> oh. Russ drops a key down a hole. So you glitched. You glitched. <laughs> that was the good one, though. That one, Russ one I kept drops forgetting. a key down a hole. <laughs> oh, man, now I forgot what I was going to say. I've had that happen. Am I even wearing pants? <laughs> Lori in the woods, would you? The boys discussed their top ten tips for sex in the woods. All right, I, I I think I'm I think I might got one. I think I'm I think I might got one. Jim Jop Jim Joppa G Joppa Ja Miso. That's Joppa. me. I'm Jim Joppa G Joppa John. <laughs> right, don't don't make me laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody remember the Bernstein Bears? We live in a split level tree. No. Yes. I remember the Bernstein Bears, but not the original cartoon. You live in a split level tree. <laughs> oh. Something, something, sister and me. <laughs> it's not even midnight. That's the order you're in my Skype. Me, Russ, Jim, John. Recording. Oh, we should. I just erased that. I'm such an ass. <laughs> I can I can redo the three sentences. No, I'm no, no, that no that's not what I mean. I mean because we want to keep bloopers now. Oh, all right, true, true. Oh, we screw up. <clears throat> Damn it! <laughs> like right there. Good timing. Oh, can we uh, can we say douchebag on the show? We have before. Bradley has approved douchebag. Okay, I, I want to go back then to the while we're going back. Did uh, the five star reviews? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. 